Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Shred Stakes. I'm Mike Shredder. Make sure you like this video and subscribe to the channel. Let's talk some basketball here, guys. And the first, I want to talk about the two games that happened, the Knicks, Heat, Lakers, Warriors, both game six games. Lakers win, Heat win. So the Lakers will play the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, which I'll do a preview on that on those games probably Monday when I I'll post a mini video Monday as well, giving a little bit of a preview of those games. But right now I'm going to go right into the games that happened. So we got the Heat and Heat beating the Knicks, 96-92. Key key takeaways. Well, the, the first thing I want to get around from a statistics standpoint is Jimmy Butler played great late, big big points, 24 big points. You know, he had four assists. Looking at my notes a little bit here. Bam Bio gave you 23. Max Struess gave you 14. And Lowry gave you 11 off the bench and nine assists in 31 minutes. And they did a great job. Only had seven turnovers. That was a key, big key. Knicks had 12. And, you know, the game was an ugly one, right? Both teams really couldn't hit any shots. But the Heat were 23 of 25 for the free throw line. The Knicks were not that. But there were a couple key takeaways, right? Jalen Brunson was unbelievable. 41 points, made every big shot that was possible for the New York Knicks. The last two games, especially, he was unbelievable. How the fact that he was not an all-star and Julius Randle was. But look, both guys may have deserved it, but I would have said Jalen Brunson deserves it over him. Jalen Brunson has been playing at this elite level all season long. How the Dallas Mavericks gave this guy up, I don't understand. But still, mixed in Moran will get it done. And there's a few key factors in that. I'm not going to sit here and 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 put you know say that these players are not good players or whatever, but there is some responsibility that needs to be handed down to these players because. But I think besides that, the biggest responsibility is going to have to go on Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau, offensively, there was zero adjustments made, zero adjustments. There were adjustments made by Jalen Brunson, but there were zero adjustments made by Tom Thibodeau. When you listen to the hustle, it's just trust the pass. Okay. But no one was passing the ball in the, in the fourth quarter. It was it was dribble the air out of the basketball. Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, or RJ Barrett, go make a play. And thank God, our, our Julius, I mean Jalen Brunson can make some plays because Julius Randle couldn't. He was three of fourteen, and RJ Barrett was one of ten. How do you expect to get win a game when two of your three stars combine to shoot four of twenty four from the field in a four point game? Mind Jalen Brunson, every bit of it. But Tom Thibodeau's got to look in the mirror and find ways to make this offense more efficient. This has been the one issue with Tom Thibodeau. He's a fantastic coach in terms of building a culture, building discipline, and building a really good defensive and rebounding identity. Those are the four things he's really good at. His cons, though, unfortunately, is he overworks his superstars too much in the offensive end by making them run too much isolation offense, and there's no ball movement in that offense. So the problem is the Heat, who are a great defensive team and are an experienced defensive team who could switch everything and have a better coach, they got they thoroughly outcoached, get thoroughly outplayed the Knicks because of their coaching. Excuse me. That's what the, that's the problem. And Thibodeau needs to look himself in the mirror and say, "How do I be better next season as a coach?" Because his offensive adjustments were not there were, were non-existent. As a basketball guy, I sit there and saying, "Why are you continuing running ISO when there's two guys waiting for these guys to drive to the basket?" Julius Randle continuously wants to do the same thing. Either they're not listening to the strategy. Or they're or they're not implementing the right offense. I think they need to run more pin downs uh, to get Brunson shut stop off off handoffs and curls. Maybe split screen actions. They need to be able to get Julius Randle post ups around the rim, saying cross screens, 
ball screen dives, pick and rolls. Instead of having him be the primary ball handler, have him set some screen and rolls as well and have him pop in the short roll to be able to hit some jump shots. That's what Miami did last night. A lot of ball movement, a lot of screen and rolls to quick little short rolls for Bam and Abayo, who swung it to the corner for shooters. Now, they didn't look, both teams shot terrible from three, but that was a big thing. The second biggest thing is the lack of shooting. The Knicks had just were atrocious in the series. For lack of a better word, they were an abomination from three. They, they I, I could not believe how many open threes they could not make. Now, look, as a big man myself, I, I understand the, the struggles of not being able to make a three. But in the NBA, when these guys are, are, are designed to make threes and get wide open shots, you've got to hit them. you got to hit them. you got to hit them at least at a 34%, 35% clip because if you did, you win that game, right? You If you do, you win that game, right? So that, that stuff matters, right? Being able to hit shots and make plays, right? If you, the problem is the issue with the three-point shooting, there's no spacing. No spacing for R.J. Barrett to drive. No spacing for Jalen Brunson to drive. No spacing for Julius Randle to drive. So it allows Miami Stevens to get set, be able to load up to certain sides because you don't have to worry about certain guys hitting threes. That's something the Knicks also have to look for in the offseason. And look, R.J. Barrett had a really tough game six. You know, He didn't show up in a big moment, but he generally played well in the playoffs. He made a lot of improvements. I think the only thing for him is he's got to be more consistent with three and make some smarter decisions. But the last important thing I want to get into is Julius Randle. I, I love his attitude. I love the way the guy comes to work every day. He's durable. He does a lot of things. And this is not an attack on the way the guy plays from an effort standpoint. I just think, unfortunately, what happens is he needs to figure out a way to get his game to where he can make adjustments in the playoffs and be able to play better. His playoff stats were not very good. He had a good game five, right? He had a better series in the series than the Cleveland series, but he had some real bad moments. Game three, game four, he had six turnovers. You look at last night, three of 14, a big game. And unfortunately, it's a lot of times because he holds the ball and doesn't make a decision quickly. He's got to look to make a decision quickly, especially he needs to learn how to use his right hand. He needs to learn how to go, especially with his right hand, be able to go downhill, attack the basket. He's got to look to attack the basket first, look for his jump shot second. Or he's got to be able to be a knockdown three-point shooter where guys have to come out and play used. And when you're trying to drive or trying to do your post-ups, it's more effective. And I think that's playing more from the elbow. I think that's not playing as much in the three-point line. I think it's playing more from the mid-post and getting better position. You're not catching the ball way off the three-point line where teams can load. He's got to find ways to not get tunnel vision and try to just drive left every time. He's got to be a more, more consistent three-point shooter. He's got to learn his right hand. And he's got to play from better spots in the court. Elbow, mid-post. Not always the three-point line trying to drive through five guys. I have faith that he can fix it around in terms of he's a good player. He was all NBA this year for a reason. But the playoffs, he does turn into a role player. I have, he does. His stats example that. I mean, his, his, he falls way off in the playoffs. I, I And then it's because he doesn't have the game that can make adjustments in the playoffs. He is too left-hand dominant. He doesn't make moves quick enough. And so that stuff all matters, unfortunately, when you're trying to make a playoff run. So – that's kind of the big deal with that, right? So, look, but to give credit to Miami, Miami ran better offense. They made more timely plays. Their defensive personnel worked excellent, and they had a belief. Look, they have a bunch of undrafted guys. They have some guys who are waived, and then Bam Adebayo was inconsistent, and Jimmy Butler playing on half an ankle, and they were they were going to the Eastern Conference Finals. How about that for the Miami Heat? Miami has proven to everybody why you never doubt the underdog, why you never doubt the culture of the Miami Heat, and. 
We'll see what happens. I mean, look, I have them going to the finals because I just had that much belief in them. I'm probably a minority on that opinion. I'll say that. But I do think that if Jimmy with Jimmy Blair getting some rest, potentially, that could help. But the one thing that, that this series helped prepare them for is for the grind of the playoffs. The Knicks were a physical team. The Knicks were a team that beat you up on the glass. It wasn't as much of a high-octane, high-powered offensive series like it was against Milwaukee. So for that standpoint, Miami, I think, is prepared to play You know, a Philly team that can be very inconsistent at times. And a and a team that sorry the Philly team they've had success against in the past, right? And a Celtics team that they pushed to seven games last year, and Jimmy Butler, it's one shot, you know, they they move on. And the Celtics are also incredibly inconsistent. We don't know who's going to win that series, right? I think the Celtics are going to win Game Seven, but who knows? But for Miami, it shows you that the 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 brilliance of Eric Spostra, the brilliance of the Pat Riley way, and also the brilliance of a Jimmy Butler-led team. That is something that I, I think it needs to be important, an important point to be said for the Miami Heat. So they deserve every bit of the win. They deserve to win this game, but the Knicks blew their opportunities because they can't hit threes and they consistently did not make adjustments offensively. That is something you have to learn from playoff experience. It can't be Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson can't score 41 you score 92 points in the game. That just can't happen, right? So... Credit to Miami's defense, but also lack of understanding from the Knicks coaching staff and the, on the others to make the proper adjustments. I want to talk about the Lakers and Warriors here for a second here, and I'm going to give a lot of credit. I did not think LeBron had this ability to go for 30 and play as well as he did last night. I thought he's about a 25-point-a-game guy, a guy that's going to still have a real big impact in the game, but I thought he was going to play off the ball more. I thought his foot bothered him more than I think people were saying, but he proved that he still has – moments where he can be arguably the best player in the NBA. But last night was all about him. 30 points, nine rebounds, nine assists on 14 shots on 71% from the floor. Guy, he was being aggressive all night long. He picked and chose his spots to be aggressive. He's efficient playing in the post, which I've been demanding he do all series because Andrew Wiggins is not as big to be able to guard him. Andrew Wiggins is as quick to be able to stay in front of him. Not as big. So that was a huge win. They came out strong. They came out and, and withstood all the Warriors runs. And the biggest key, I would say, also is the role players stepped up. D'Angelo Russell had a big game as well. D'Angelo Russell had a really good start. I'm sorry, excuse me. He had 19 points. You look at Austin Reeves, who I gave you 23. And all the starters for the Lakers, minus Dan Schroeder, who got ejected, were all plus 20 or higher. That is incredibly important. Now, their bench wasn't as good, unfortunately. But still, you got Rui Hachimura who gave you nine points, and you got 13 points from Lonnie Walker. That stuff matters, right? And the big thing was also is Anthony Davis, right? And the fact is, and their efficiency, right? The, 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 I'll talk about that in a second. But the, the 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 Lakers go as Anthony Davis goes, right? Anthony Davis gave you gave you 17 points, 20 rebounds, and two blocks last night. His dominance defensively is the key for them to be able to win a championship. Yes, he's got to be good offensively, but he doesn't need to score 40 points every night to, for you to win. He needs to give you a good good game, definitely needs to be consistent, but he gives you a game where he dominates the glass, dominates defensively, and gives you 17 to 25 points. You're going to have a chance to win because they are a deep enough team to make that happen. Now, I will preview tomorrow. I do think the Nuggets do have the edge. And the only but the, the, the only caveat to that, though, is, is that, because I think they're a better team, the only caveat is how well Anthony Davis guards Nikola Jokic because Nikola Jokic is – Arguably, I think right now he's the best center in the game, but Anthony Davis is probably the only guy that can negate what he do does effectively because of his athleticism, because of the way Anthony Davis defends the rim, and just the fact that he's a defensive wizard, 
right? That can matter. And, and Dennis Schroeder's ability to guard the perimeter and Jamal Murray, that matters, right? So that could be interesting, right? That That's what they did last night. They really pushed the Warriors out of their spots. They pushed them around in, in, in the post and they made their every shot they took difficult. I mean, some of the contests from LeBron, from Austin Reeves, from D'Angelo Russell, from AD, from Schroeder when he was in the game, from Vanderbilt, from Achimura, from Lonnie Walker. The effort last night was amazing. And look, obviously, it's going to all boil down to LeBron James. His night was fantastic. He set the tone. He led by that example. And he showed why he's arguably the greatest player to ever play the game. Right? So that stuff matters. From the Warriors' side, look, I, I'm going to say right now, I can't give more props to Steph Curry. Steph Curry did not lose this series to the Warriors. He was the reason they were in this series to begin with. He, he did everything he could to win this series. Lakers play great defense on him. They forced him to have inefficient nights most nights. They blitzed him on ball screens. They double teamed him. They contested every one of his shots. The Lakers' length, I think, was a bit, big problem and why the Warriors weren't as successful, even when, when they went small. Because the Lakers were able to control the pace in game six as opposed to game five. And the Warriors, unfortunately, their, war, the, their road woes caught up to them. And that matters. I mean, unfortunately, they just weren't able to be the same team on the road as they were at home. And, you know, I, I look at some missed opportunities in game four. I look at some missed opportunities in game one. And there's a couple of things I want, I want to point to that the Warriors need to look at for next year. The big thing is Clay Thompson's consistency because he was really bad. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to look at his stats right now. He was three of 19 from the floor minus 33 last night. And the second thing is Jordan pool. They, they invest $198 million into Jordan pool. And he did nothing in the playoffs. Nothing. Nothing. And he's a very talented player. I just don't know if his fit is with Golden State. I think he needs to be the guy on a team. And Colin Coward made this point, and I kind of agreed with it. Jordan Poole just doesn't seem to fit with the Warrior system. And I think he actually could fit very well offensively. But the problem is he just, you know, and he, look, he had his moments where he played very well in the playoffs last year. But this year, nothing. And he had a good regular season. He played very well in the regular season. But he showed nothing in the playoffs. Nothing. You know, he you know, he had some good moments at times in game six, but generally he just didn't show up. And fortunately for Steph, you know, he's gonna need more from other guys to in order to win. You can't win by yourself now in the NBA. It's just teams are too good. So that's a big thing. And, and look, efficiency was something I wanted to talk about, which I didn't get a chance to talk about. Efficiency was a big, big marker in this game. The Warriors took 103 shots, the Lakers took 75. The Warriors took almost 30 more shots than the Lakers. They had they off they re out rebounded them by seven, but they shot 39 of 103 from the floor, which is 38 percent. 13 out of 48 from three, which is 27 percent, and 10 of 14 from the line, and had 10 turnovers compared to the Lakers six. The Lakers shot 74 percent from the line, 50 percent from three, and 52 percent from the floor. That matters. Efficiency, easy buckets, being able to take advantage of the defense. They made the same amount of field goals. The Lakers got to the free throw line more. The Lakers turned the ball over less, and they got easier buckets. The Warriors were, were, were required so much of a three-point shot. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for them, right? So that is my thoughts on that. Those are my thoughts on the two games. Again, I will do a preview on Monday of once I know the, what the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are looking like, both, both of them, because Boston and Philly still have to play tomorrow. I will break down Boston and Philly, and I will – talk about the Eastern Conference and Western Conference predictions that I have. So that stuff will all be broken down for you on Monday. So stay tuned in that. And also check out my show on AMP as well. It's Basketball with Mike Shredder. Definitely make sure to check that out as well. And I also be posting a, a 
thing later on Monday as, with that as well. So definitely tune in live if you want to check that out. Again, that will do it for me. Shred Stakes, another episode. I'm Mike Shredder. Make sure to subscribe, like the channel, follow me on Instagram, whatever you want to do there. That's fine with me. Also, make sure if you don't make it back over to YouTube to watch these videos, that you go over to anywhere you get your podcast under Shred Stakes. I'm Mike Shredder, and have a good rest of your Saturday.